Now, I'm looking at Ephesians chapter 6 again tonight. And look, I have to make a confession. I, um, I really wanted, when I uh, started this series, to be able to get through <laughs> Ephesians reasonably quickly. But I'm, I'm taking longer and longer. And actually, as we're drawing to the end of Ephesians, which is on page 1163, I have to confess I'm finding it more and more difficult uh, to actually cover a large amount of, of ground because so much is suggested within Ephesians chapter 6. And tonight I am looking at... Um, let's get my notes out. I'm looking at Ephesians chapter 6 um, and verse 13. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Now you may remember that uh, last week I was looking at this fact that the battle is against supernatural powers. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I also, in in my last week's sermon, did begin verse 13. But in fact, uh, the whole of this sermon will be on verse 13 uh, tonight. So let me read verse 13. It says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Now, I am going to ask the Lord uh, with specific things about this verse. Now, I'm going to pray, so let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, uh, we know that Paul, uh, these 2,000 years ago, when he wrote these, was stirred up by your Holy Spirit to... um, to seek that the Ephesian Christians should be able to stand firm and take the complete armor of God on. And Lord, we pray that tonight you will, by your Holy Spirit, make these words ring and live in our hearts and our minds, uh, Lord, so that this may become an important part of our Christian life uh, tonight and indeed in this, in this coming week. We pray, Lord, uh, glorify Christ and speak to us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may know, uh, if you look on the internet, uh, where, we, where we have the, the, our talks on YouTube, that I like to put title pages, often with pictures and things, um, as background to the title. And actually, my original title page had a fairly fearsome picture of, a, of an SAS soldier, equipped and prepared for battle, and then had the titles on top. But then I looked at it, and I thought, my goodness, it really, it really does look... <laughs> You know, almost you know, a big emotional impression of fear of a man with a, a, a machine gun all set for battle. And I thought, you know, people are going to misinterpret Christianity if they think that's what Christianity is about. Um, so I thought, no, I won't have that, I won't have that, uh, that horrible uh, uh, idea that uh, Christians are going around with machine guns <laughs> shooting people, which is a terrible thing. Remember... Jesus said to Peter, when Peter was about to take his sword, well, he'd actually already t- taken his sword out, and, and Jesus said, put your sword up, for my kingdom is not of this world. And, of course, when, he was, when, he, when Jesus was being questioned, when he was on trial, he said, he said well, it, my, my, if, my, if I was of this world, if, my, if I was a king of this world, my, my, my followers would fight for me. But, of course, we don't do that. And we are involved in a spiritual battle. And uh, this is, we're, we're, we're called to fight with spiritual weapons. And the church's, church only uses, the church only uses spiritual weapons. 
And those weapons are motivated by love for the lost, not a desire to harm uh, anyone in this world. As indeed, Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to judge the world, but I came to save it. And, uh, but I do want us to notice that when Paul is talking about this spiritual armor, uh, he, is, he, is, he is telling us, that he urgently wants us to take up the spiritual armor now. Now, um, some people, when uh, looking at these words in, uh, in um, 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, some people think, oh, he's talking about the final days, Armageddon. The final, you know, the final, we're able to stand there when Armageddon is happening and the, just before uh, Christ comes. But actually, he, I don't think he is doing that at all. He's He's talking about the normal state of the the believer in the world, wrestling against our present enemies. And uh, the evil day, therefore, I interpret to be not actually uh, the end of the world at all, but actually times, particular days of trouble and difficulty that actually comes upon us. Psalm 41 verse 2, David says... The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. Now, interestingly enough, when it was translated into Greek uh, in the uh, a century or so before Christ, the uh, the Old Testament was translated into Greek for the Jews that lived outside of Israel. And it's interesting that uh, the time of trouble there in Greek is exactly the same words that Paul uses for the evil day, the time of trouble. And in the same, same in Isaiah 49, verse 5. Why should I fear in times of trouble, the evil day, when the iniquity of those who cheat me surround me? And so um, I, I think it's quite clear that Paul is, is talking about those things that we go through in life, which are times of trouble, sometimes disasters. Uh, it, Sometimes it could be a tr- times of trouble that last for days, months, sometimes years. Or it could be a, a sudden, a sudden uh, disaster that comes upon us. We're, we're living quite happily and suddenly, wham, something awful happens. And uh, in, we're in the middle of a happy life and then s- someone does something terrible to us. Or we, we discover perhaps that we might you know, be terminally ill, that we're going to die. And suddenly our happy day turns into, oh no, I'm going to die. The whole passage is, is, uh, is preparing us for life because life does have troubled days in it. In the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, um, the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about the evil days under the sun and, and actually uh, talks a lot about the disappointments and disasters and difficulties of living under this sun. Uh, troubled days. And uh, I want us to notice that that Paul is basically telling us, put on the armor so that when the evil day comes, you're going to be able to stand. You're not going to be broken by it. You're not going to be broken into little bits. You're not going to run. You're not going to be scared. Someone, uh, perhaps if the time of trouble comes, that believers in Jesus one day might be persecuted, have our houses confiscated or be put in prison. We're not going to crumble. We're going to trust in the Lord. And, but it's really important, and this is the point, when that evil day comes... We need to have the armor on. 
the armor of God that Paul is talking about is not a special suit, if you like, for full-time Christian workers, for evangelists. Oh, they, you know, he's an evangelist. He needs the spiritual armor. Well, he does. But every single one of us needs, in the normal things of life, to be having the spiritual armor, keeping us firm in the Lord. On good days, on bad days, we need uh, these things that Paul talks about, um, uh, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, um, the readiness to tell people about Jesus, um, the hope of salvation. All of these things we need to have. Um, and we need to understand that the Lord has made it possible for us to resist uh, the devil and his problems. So um, let's understand this, that uh, the weapons, the spiritual weapons that God gives us are both defensive weapons and weapons of attack. And they're needed for when the devil is attacking us, as well as when we are actually ourselves seeking to extend the kingdom of God. Now, I want to note sadly that many of us, I mean, I'm an old person um, and I can think of many times when I have gone AWOL from uh, the army of the Lord and uh, or and or I've gone into the spiritual battle when I haven't been absent without leave um, and and not been involved in in, uh, the Lord's work but when I have gone into each day without the spiritual armor on and uh, we might say, well, we're not profiting. We're not profitable to God because, in fact, although we are believers, we're not living a life of love and kindness and holiness, unselfishness and of prayer. We're not living with sincerity, with the belt of truth around us. We're not, we haven't got the shield of faith. We're just going through life like the average, average non-Christian. And we may have the attitude, like Malachi says in Malachi 3.14, God says to, to uh, the people of, of God, to Israel, you've said it is vain, it is pointless to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge of walking in mourning before the Lord our God? In other words, with grief over our sins and with prayer. Uh, you know, and sometimes believers can be like that. Oh, what's the point of following Christ? It's too much... Too much problems. People are against me. People laugh at me. People may even may even uh, attack me. What's 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 the profit of, of of it all? Well, of course, the profit is knowing Christ, having eternal life. What does it profit a man actually if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Jesus said, "What does it profit you if you make a make a mint, have a happy family, have all the things the world offers?" Yet you lose your soul for eternity. That's the challenge of Jesus. But let's, let's ourselves examine ourselves. If we're not wearing the spiritual armor, it may be that we'll end the whole of our life and basically have very little to show for Jesus, for what, our life, what we've been doing with our life. Do you remember Jesus told the parable about, about uh, when, he, when, he, uh, when the, the king returns and he finds he's, he's given money on deposit to, uh, sorry given money for people to use to invest and to work and he comes back and he finds two people of yes they've invested 
the, the, the money that the, the king has given, and they've made more money for, the, for their lord, and the, 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 the king rewards them. He finds one person who's buried the money in the ground, done nothing with it, just gives it him back. Not even, he could have put it in the bank and made interest, but no, he's just left it in the ground. And will the Lord say to us, because we haven't been wearing the spiritual armor, what have you done with your life? You've just allowed the devil to manipulate you, tempt you, waste your time, because you weren't wearing the spiritual armor. Paul says, we've got, we've got this scheming devil, verse 18, We've got these, uh, these mighty forces arrayed against us. We haven't got a chance of actually doing things for the Lord unless we are wearing the spiritual armor. Therefore, he says, put on the spiritual armor. This is armor that comes from God. It doesn't come from within us. It comes from him. And we, have to, we must really uh, be wearing his armor. Um, I knew a, 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 a friend, actually, of a, a colleague at work, a teacher, uh, a bit older than me, who was um, often involved in enactments of um, battles from the Middle Ages, and, they, and even uh, particularly the Civil War. And uh, him and his friends, hundreds of them, would put on costumes of uh, the Cavaliers and the Roundheads, and they would have their enactments of these wars. But, of course, all of this was you know, done for fun. It was a fake. No one was getting killed. It wasn't a real battle. They were dressed up in soldiers' clothing, but weren't actually using the weapons. Now, is that true for some of us? Is it true for me for much of my life? Do I talk about, and even talk to God about the spiritual armor, but I'm not using it? I'm not donning the breastplate of righteousness and putting into effect uh, through this Holy Spirit, uh, the sanctifying power of the Spirit to live a righteous life. You know, when, and you know, some believers they, they they're not even using God's armor. Um, in the recent war with Russia and the Ukraine, uh, you may have noticed six months ago the Russians were having loads of their tanks and um, mobile mobile. Um, mobile equipment we just got stuck in mud and, and tires burst and it was because basically instead of buying the authentic tires which uh, which cost 20 times as much they were buying cheap um, Korean and Chinese substitutes for their for their ta- for their for their mobile weapons and and uh, uh, cheap substitute uh, uh, equipment for the tanks not not of course wheels they don't have wheels as such and they were utterly unusable in, um, the, uh, in the Ukrainian environment. Well, churches sometimes do. They're false teaching. Some churches down the ages have said, yes, we can get power from God if we fast. And we fast. We keep on fasting. We'll have power to change. Well, Jesus did tell us that fasting was important. But only, of course, if we were, if we were doing it in uh, the Bible's way. And if God was central to it, and we weren't telling other people about it and boasting about it, but we were, our fasting was between us and God. And, uh, you know, some churches have said, oh, you know, let's pray to the saints. And ridiculous, imaginary idea. It's nowhere in the Bible. The whole thing is this, that we need to have everything in our life, and that includes 
our spiritual disciplines. And it includes uh, the, the actual, each individual part of the spiritual armor utterly linked to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Russians had a massive problem with their logistics in the Ukrainian invasion. And their army was constantly being cut off from supplies and from ammunition. If we try to take the disciplines of the Christian life, whether it be prayer, Bible study, communal prayer, worship. But if Jesus Christ is not in our hearts and in our, in our fellowship, it's nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You fast, you pray, you, you meditate, you may preach a sermon like I'm doing. But if Christ is not in it, nothing, nothing is achieved. We need to put on the full armor of Christ, the full spiritual armor, because Christ is the one who empowers the whole suit of armor. And the thing is, that, as I've mentioned, this is the only way that we can stand up against the wiles of the devil, is, is wearing this armor. Um, the devil is shown in the Bible to be a, a seducing spirit, an amazing amazingly intelligent but powerful force that seeks to seduce men and women, blind their minds, and constantly suggest evil and skeptical thoughts. In other words, he's, he's constantly making us doubt. He's the master of doubt, actually. Genesis chapter 3, what does he say to Eve, and, and then passing on to Adam, uh, uh, when he tempts them to take of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? He says, has God said this? If you ask me, uh, you know, how um, various religious people who, um, you know, who put doubt upon the Bible, where they get their, their learning from, ultimately it isn't from books and it isn't from professors of theology. It's ultimately from the devil. The devil suggests to us, well, um, did God really say this? Well, actually, yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he, he actually signed, sealed, and delivered the Bible to us through different prophets. Um, but then again, we see that when Eve um, and Adam were attending to what the devil had to say, he, he then said, well, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And he placed doubt over the attributes of God. A doubt of whether God was holy. Because basically, when he said, you, the reason why you're not allowed to eat from this tree is... God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the devil suggested that, that God's motivation was, was, uh, was self-centered, like a tyrant, and evil. And unfortunately, um, when then the sheer sign of the appearance of the fruit, which was beautiful to look at and to be desired it looked wonderful to taste those three things together you know the doubt did God really say it and then he moves on to another doubt well perhaps God you know God simply doesn't want you to to be like him because the effects of this will be to make you like God and then thirdly the actual appearance of it was so beautiful and lovely the three things together 
caused Adam to fall, Adam and Eve to fall. Now, how can we today uh, defend ourselves? You see, we're in a weaker position than Adam because Adam was, was born uh, as, a, as an innocent person. and Adam and Eve were innocent. We were born with uh, these tendencies to sin already racked up within our souls. And as we've uh, lived our lives, we have habitual sins and we've got all kinds of problems. How can, how can we be in a better position than Adam, the, uh, than Adam was? Well, the answer is this, God's spiritual armor. That's one thing that Adam definitely did not have. And we're promised it, that we can actually resist the devil. We have face time with the devil. I, I don't know if you, you know, like me putting it like that. But actually, you know, a lot of people, you know, get onto, onto uh, WhatsApp and they have face time with friends and relatives. Well, the Bible tells us that Christians are regularly having face times with the devil. The trouble is, we can't see his face, and we, we can, uh, and we don't, we don't actually hear a voice. Uh, often, go, uh, the devil works through through our thoughts or through other people's voices, suggesting things to us. But what does the Bible says? James four verse six: God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, that's what happens when we, we take on the spiritual armor. Humbly, we receive from God at the beginning of each day, making sure that, yeah, am, am I really honest with myself? Am I, have I got the, 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 belt of, the belt of truth on? Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with the Bible? Am I really trusting in God? Am I taking the shield of earth? Am I seeking uh, that Christ's, Wonderful redemption and salvation is protecting me. Am I trusting in Jesus now that he died on the cross for me to help me to live a new life? Am I taking everything that God supplies in the power of the Spirit? Face time with the devil is not pleasant and without Christ we cannot, we cannot resist him. But we can resist him and he can flee from us as we are trusting in the Lord. Now, as we get older, you know, people often think, oh, you're getting older as a Christian and it gets easier. No, actually, in many ways, it's just as hard, if not harder. Often, older Christians get tired of taking up, um, you know, the, all of the, 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 the thinking about the, the spiritual arm. And often they don't. They sit down and watch TV all the time uh, in their retirement. They don't, don't not really... Uh, I'm not saying all old Christ, older Christians like this. I'm just saying the temptation when the older Christian is to kind of settle down and sit, sit back and um, take a spiritual holiday. Um, it's interesting that uh, there's a, a man a few hundred years ago wrote a book called The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Um, all kinds of reasons why he said the Roman Empire fell. But one of the things he po- pointed out was that not only were there a lot of auxiliary Roman soldiers from other countries who weren't uh, particularly patriotic about Italy, they came from France or other places, um, but also um, there was a relaxation of discipline in the army. They, they no longer kind of, you know, had <laughs> them doing all their exercises. And uh, the, the uh, soldiers became more unfit and less able to take, you know, the, the fatigue, the pain of 
the tiredness of service, and they complained about the weight of their armor. And gradually, over a few generations, the the armor from being like it was in the time of Paul became distinctly weak armor, (laughs) leaving bits off. And the helmet became much more weaker and fragile and less able to, to protect them. Well, unfortunately, we can have that same kind of attitude as believers. Paul says, no, take up the full armor of God and having done everything to stand firm. I'll read the whole of 13 again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, um, what does that mean? Well, some of, a few, but not many, have said that um, Paul is saying that uh, put on the full armor of God and then you're ready for the first onslaught of the devil. Uh, But most commenters I've read think it actually, it is saying that, but it's also saying that having taken face time with the devil, face-to-face battle with the devil in various issues, whether it be persecution or temptation or hard times, doubts and these other things, having faced the devil and in the power of Christ having resisted, we then have to carry on standing firm. I confess in my Christian life, I, you know, in times when I've you know, seen the Lord um, at work in my life and there's been little victories, wonderful things that have happened, and then I'm thinking, oh, well, that's fine, I relax. And then, of course, I'll go back to my old ways. So easy for it to, to happen. But Paul is saying that having done everything, having faced the devil down in one battle... Just as the Roman legions faced uh, uh, the first onslaught, they then might have had a day or two, or a month even, before the next onslaught came. But having, having, having stood firm, we carry on standing firm in the Lord. Having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, you see that he carries on with the same metaphor. Verse 14, stand therefore. Now, I just want to finish on saying this. The Bible tells us that we stand in our armor, but it isn't just in our armor. We're standing, Paul says in Romans 5 verse 2. We have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We're not standing in the armor in our own strength, but in the grace and kindness of God. We're standing in the freedom from the dominion of sin and the fear of the law. We no longer uh, as, uh, you know, are worried about going to hell because we know Christ has saved us. And we're no longer so much thinking about particular rules that we've got to follow, the little small rules, but thinking about how we fulfill the whole meaning of the law, which is loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and loving everybody on planet earth as, as uh, we do ourselves. And Jesus said, the whole of the laws were summed up in those two things. Those are the things we stand in. We stand uh, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore, therefore and don't submit to a yoke of slavery. And we stand mature and fully assured in the will of Christ, in the will of God. That's what Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. That was a friend of Paul. What was Epaphras' prayer? Colossians 4.12, last 
sentence. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. We stand. We stand with the armor on. We stand in the promises of of, uh, God. We stand in the grace. And above all, we stand in the gospel which you received. 1, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. I wrote and remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. May the Lord help us, indeed, uh, to put on the full armor of God, be able to stand in the evil day, trusting him, and uh, uh, carrying on. Once we've, uh, we've been able to face off the devil once, resisting one set of temptations, one onslaught, one depressing day that's, that seems to bring us down and cause us to be a quivering jelly when we well, we've got up and we've put on the armor again and uh, we carry on standing and moving on serving the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Oh, Father, I'm aware that, Lord, even in my speaking of this, uh, there, is, there is so much more, uh, Lord, to what, uh, Lord, you mean by standing, resisting, putting on the complete armor, the full armor uh, that Christ gives. But we pray, Lord, that you will take and teach us, Lord, uh, what this means in practice in our lives. Lord, able to resist the devil when he, when he FaceTimes us, when we, Lord, hear that, hear that telephone ring of a temptation or of, a, uh, of a, someone being nasty to us or a, a horrible um, foreboding of incidents, depression. There is all these different things that where, where, where we get, where we're got down, Lord, by the devil. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be putting on your armor and be able to resist him and being filled with love and joy uh, in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, please help us in Jesus' name. Amen.